0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue with our sermon series um, on Breathe on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we were looking at the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was preparing for this sermon, I remember as a young boy, my mom, it was in grade seven. Was, that time was standard five. So I was about 12 years old. And I've been sent to uh, a field trip for a leader's development. They were actually looking at leadership in your life. And uh, my mom bought me a new hat. Almost, I saw a hat here like that. That sort of Tommy hats, that round one, the ones that Tiam loves so much, uh, with the the shallow rim around it. And she wrote a psalm on it. And I want to read that psalm to you quickly. And it really struck me. Uh, It's from Psalm 18, verse 29. And let me just get it quickly. It says, for it is you, no, sorry, there we go, verse 29, for by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. And she wrote this on my hat, and as I walked at uh, this field trip with this hat, it was this big guy, but he was a bully man, and he came up against me. And he confronted me about this writing on my head. And as a little boy of 12 years old, I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit that day. I felt something start to rise inside of me like a joy unspeakable. The Holy Spirit just embraced me in that moment. And I felt God embrace me in that moment. As much as this little boy wanted to insult me and break me down, the Spirit of God just started to rise in me. And I start to laugh as hard as I can. And the joy of the Lord overflows me. That this boy stand up and he walked away and he felt so embarrassed. (laughs) I have done nothing. And afterwards he came to me. And he apologized. He says, I am so sorry. He says, I, I tried to humiliate you in front of my friends. Man, did that word cut to my heart. Did that word cut to my heart. Oh, man, did God resonated something as a 12-year-old in my soul that day. Of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we know, we encounter the power of God. And, and, and I'm so excited to share this with you today. Um, and, and we're going to read from, from Acts 10, verse 38 to, uh, 34 to 38. And just, this is what we see. You know, and it's just, so, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Now, Peter, it's is, is the first time that he's sharing now with, unbelief, uh, with, with, with Gentiles. He used to share only to Jews. And God has brought him to these Gentiles and he's now sharing and he says, truly I understand that God shows no partially. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is accepted to him, is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news to the people through Jesus Christ. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism of John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then he says, he went about, do good and he- Good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to the death by hanging him on the tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all people Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then Peter declared, can anyone without water Uh, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Now, another story that just grasped my attention was when I was in the army. Oh dear, this thing's a bit, can I? There we go. Another story that just grasped me is a story when I was in the army and uh, I had this vicious corporal. Oh my goodness, that man, he didn't like me. So he, one day, I was in the, in the, um, the Calvary and uh, we were outside in the bush doing some training with our horses and then uh, this corporal, He sent us to to go to the, uh, to go fetch some cube bags. Now, these cube bags is about 70 kilograms and it's full of pallets that we feed the horses with. And he sent me and three other corporals to go and pick these bags and put it on our backs and run with them all the way from where we were to the base. And that was about eight kilometers. And as we were running, something happened. (laughs) Something incredible just started to happen inside of me. As we were running, I started to worship. I started to praise. And the more I praise, the stronger I get. The stronger I get, the more joy overflows. And man, did I just enjoy this, this, this exercise. And I was running with this bag. And then my corporal's friends, they will drop down and I will help them up, put their bags on, put mine, and I was running. I can tell you I've never been so strong in my life. But man, as we've been halfway, this, power, this, 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 this corporal stopped with his horse. And he looked at me, and he says, Corporal, stop that! Stop that! And I, just, I just couldn't. I just couldn't stop praising. him. And the next moment, he turns around with his horse, and he runs, he chased back to where he came from. And the four corporals were running back to the base. Three weeks later, My dear friend, Smiley, who was also a Christian, also a corporal with me, that very same day run with me, this corporal came to him to his tent and he says, I want to give my life to Jesus. There is something that happens when the power of God comes amongst us, on us. When we function in the power of the Holy Spirit, we see things happening and God changes lives. And when I read this, I'm so so amazed. And I want to basically touch on three questions today. First is, what is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? What do we mean when we speak about the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The second question is, why is it important for us? And the third question is, how does it work? So my first question, what? And I love this verse in our anchoring verse. 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And when I read this, I was pondering on a question about what is anointing? Because it clearly seems to me that God anointed Jesus. He is the anointed one of God. We read in Isaiah 61, we read that it says that, uh, let me just open my notes here. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and to opening of the prisons to those who are in bond. Jesus is the anointed of God. Friends, if anyone wants to sell you anointing oil, oh my goodness. If anyone wants to tell you he sells anointing water, run from it. Because God's anointed is Jesus himself. He is the anointed of God. Amen, it is his presence in our lives. When he is in our lives, that God was with him. Jesus is with us. His anointing is with us. Amen, this is relationship. It It is God with us, Emmanuel. Oh my goodness, is his presence sweet? Oh my goodness, does it bring joy to our hearts? Oh my goodness, does it give us strength when we feel like we don't have strength? Because that presence of Jesus is sweet because he's the anointed of God. And man, when I walk next to the anointed, when he lives inside of me, man, people cannot but to say something is different here. Something is different here. Now, I, I was pondering about this because we read somewhere else in the Bible about Samuel uh, uh, you know, anointing Saul and, and David, and we see the, the priest being anointed. So anointing has got something to do with a task that God requires from us. But it accompanies the presence of God. In 1 Samuel 10, verse 1 to 6, we found this incredible story of Samuel going and anointing Saul as king. And it has this, from verse 1 to 6 and up till verse 7 actually, is this whole description of Samuel anointing Saul. And, and, and when you go a few chapters later in, verse, in chapter 16, we read only two verses as, a, as accounted to David when he was anointed. And I think it must have been something like this, when, when, when Samuel anointed David, and it says he just anointed him, and he says, you are the, the king to be, and he walked out. I think David should have been at that point, says, says, whoa, 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 Samuel, don't you forget something, Bro. Where's the speech that you gave Samuel? (laughs) Where's the the speech that you gave Saul? Because when Samuel anoints Saul, he says that this will be the sign that you are anointed. And he's pointing and he says, you will go about and you will find that two men will come to you and tell you that your dad's donkey has been found. Don't worry about it anymore. And then he says, you will go on and you'll find two other men who's going to worship, and they're going to offer you bread, take it from their hand. And then the third one, he says, you will will encounter a garrison of, of Philistines. He says, and when you encounter them, there will be prophets coming, and you will start prophesying. And the Bible says it all happened just as Samuel has talked. But with David, none of this is there. If I was David, I would say, hey bro, whoa. This is like a graduation without a speech. Where's my where's my speech? (laughs) I mean, what's the difference? Both these men has encountered exactly the same things. These circumstances was exactly the same thing. The task was exactly the same thing. They they faced the same enemies. God asked him to do exactly the same thing. But the one was more fruitful than the other. Why? I was like Yolanda. When I read this, it's like, Jesus, what's happening here? Why is David, when he's, his anointing is described, it's just like a, one verse But with Saul, you were so in detail. May it be that God knew when he spoke to David, and man, he embraced it. That Saul was still doubting the call on his life. Could it be that But Saul was not quite certain, and therefore God had to give him signs so that he will know, that he know, that he know, that he's called. Same to men, same circumstances. And when Samuel anointed Saul, he used his words, and he says, God is with you. And this struck me, and it made me forth. And then I read this verse in 1 John 2 verse 27, "But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as he anointing, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you. Abide in him. Was that possible that David abide in God? That he did not doubt that God was with him? That God had to tell Saul, I am with you. And this is the signs that I am with you. And that I have anointed you. Can it be that we that we can be actually so easy to be a soul that we don't take and embrace the anointing of God upon our lives. That we live with the Holy Spirit, but there's no power inside of us. But is it also possible that we can be like a David who embrace God, who, who who's immersed into the things of God, who know that God is with him? Man, it is not about us. Can we get ourselves out of the picture? It is about the anointed of God. It's not about us. God don't need us. Can we finally decide it and and believe that? God don't need us. He wants us. And he wants us to want him. Was it that David understood it? Now, I'm a little bit of a movie snob, <laughs> man. I cannot just watch any movie, but these is probably two of my most favorite movies, and they depict real events. And why these two movies is really been so striking to me is the level of characters here. That they, what is the word that they actually? Oh man, I've written it. yet. let me. Why do I struggle? That they actually personified the real character. That they will be able to immerse them into the life of the the person who has endured this. And they will actually be able to express it exactly as it took place. And if you watch this movie, it is almost that you can say, oh my goodness. It's as if I am in that place, as if I am with them right now. And I think David had the ability to personify the presence of God. That he, man, listen, my illustration is a little bit limited in this sense because we don't act right. It's not about acting. It's about having someone in our lives it's about having the anointed one with us. But man, do we have to live like him? Does he make it possible? That just makes me wonder. When I read the New Testament, we find this incredible let, let, Let me jump there. David seemed to be able to personify God, to embrace him fully and solve it. And we see that God has extended the kingdom of God. He has extended the kingdom of Israel through David. So why is it important? Now that we know that the anointing is the presence of God, is having the anointed in our lives, that it is a task that God has appointed us for, the question is why? Why? Why does God want to do that? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all of your Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For God is about extending his kingdom. It's reaching the ends of the earth. Just as it was for David and Saul to establish a kingdom, it is about us establishing a kingdom for God. And it doesn't matter where it is, if it's right here, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's the greater Jobach, if it is the greater... How uh, thing it doesn't matter as long as we go to the ends of the earth, but God wants to establish His kingdom through us, and therefore the power of the Holy Spirit is to help us to extend the kingdom. Yeah. Oh my word! <laughs> oh my goodness! This is a controversy. This man, John G. Lake, one of my years in the faith, the black plague killed an estimate 25 million people, almost a third of the continent's population. The black plague was so contagious, and this man volunteered to go free, work free of charge to help on the front lines to assist with ill patients. And he was hanging around sick people who has carried, and he carried dead dead bodies. And then a doctor comes and he says to him, he says, what have you been doing to protect yourself? Lake replied, I believe that as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his Holy Spirit is flowing into my soul and body that no germ will ever attach itself to me for the Spirit of God will kill it. Was it possible that John G. Lake understood something that David understood about his anointing? That the anointed is with him And therefore, he has nothing to fear for. And as he has done it, many has come to know him. It is lives of people like this. Why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit to do good work, to heal the sick, and to advance God's kingdom? the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointed one that is with me want to work through me to heal the sick, to break open the prison doors and set free. How then? How does it work through me? And you have made them a kingdom and a priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Now, how do I see that? I want to take you a little bit back to Samuel 1. Um, A little bit back to Samuel 1, with the anointing of King Saul and the signs that he has been given. Firstly, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, God says, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys, and he's anxious about you. Now, funny enough is the difference between David and the difference between Saul is that when David sinned in Psalm 51, he cried out and he says, God, do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. And he contested for the presence of God in his life. Saul, on the other hand, he says, the men made me do it. It seems that like Saul was not anxious about the presence of God. David was scared to lose the presence of God. Saul was more concerned about the men and what they will say. And I believe this is why God had to say to him and God had to affirm him and says the donkeys doesn't matter, you matter. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the donkeys doesn't matter, you matter too. Me. As a father is anxious about his child, I am anxious about you, Saul. The second sign that he would have encountered is that God has given him favor. People will recognize that you've been anointed. Because when they encounter Saul, they offer him bread and they knew. That he has favor with God. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread. Which you shall accept from their hands. And God says believe it. Accept that you are accepted. Accept that people will accept you. And the third one is. The gift started to operate through him. Man, God started to work through him and he started to operate through him, and he started to prophesy as he encountered these these prophets. He says, And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Man, the anointing, the power of God. This morning, I don't know if you feel it. I felt it here in worship, I felt changed. The anointing, make me another man. Now, if you have received the Holy Spirit, what does this mean to you? If the Holy Spirit has anointed you and he has all of us, what does this mean to us? Verse seven, Samuel says to Saul, Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. God has given you these anointing. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit so that you will find what your hand finds to do, because God is with you. God is with you wherever you go. God is wherever you're in the marketplace or in, in government or wherever you are. He has anointed you and find things for your hands to do because He is with you. He's anointing rest with you. The anointed one is with
1: you. You are not alone.
0: Mark Ruffalo, was playing the hawk, had an interview and he was telling the guy who has the interview with him about his boy, he went to his primary school and he was sitting and coloring with him and the boy across the table from him started looking at him and his mouth dropped open and this little boy tried to speak to him and he says, are you the hawk? He says yes I'm the hawk. He says can you transform to the hawk? Imagine the disappointment of that little boy when Mark was not able to transform to the hawk, to the hawk. Imagine his embarrassment. But something else we read In Acts, the first recording, recorded uh, in, the first recorded use of the term Christians, is in the New Testament in Acts 11, after Barnabas brought Saul to Antioch. And I want to read this to you. Acts 19 to 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over St- Stephan's travel, as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speak the word to want no to no other except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenist, also preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this come to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them, all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they went from church to church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, the Greek word for Christian literally means small Christs. Now, Mark could not transform into the likeness of the hawk. But people saw the first believers and they say, they look like small Christs. They did what Christ did. They look just like Jesus did. They did what Jesus did. Let's call them Christians. Mark was not able to turn into the hawk in front of that boy's eyes. A oh, man. Anointing of the Holy Spirit does something inside of us that when people look at us, this is man, he looks like Jesus. He looked like Christ is with him. <laughs> we cannot disappoint when Jesus is in us. Because that's what the world seeks, just like this little boy was seeking that Mark changed into the hawk. They want to see Jesus lifted up and He's available for them. And we have it. And we have the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. What should you do? Just as God told Samuel, so find what your hand finds to do, and do it. It is when we make ourselves available that the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit can operate through us. Many of times, I'm fearful when I have to do things. I was fearful when I had to come and preach today. I was fearful to stand in front of you. It's not easy. But man. Jesus, empower me. when I embrace his presence. I feel, my God, I can run a troop, I can run to a troop. I can jump with you over a wall. And that inscription that my mom put in my hat is so part of my soul because the Holy Spirit is with me. God is with me. And I want to encourage you as you go about your week, the Holy Spirit is with you. The anointed of God is with you. Find what your hand find to do and do it, because God is with you. Emmanuel, God with you. Can I pray fast? Ah, oh, can I ask you to stand? Heavenly Father. Thank you so, so much. Jesus, those words that you say to your disciples, it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come, becomes more real and real, Father. Because it means you are with us, you're in us. You want to use us. You are a good, good God. God. Your word says that the gift of the Holy
1: Spirit is the best gift ever. You use it and you say, you as fathers who are bound by sin, who are wicked, know how to give your children good gifts. How much more will I not give you the Holy Spirit? If your son asks for a stone, will you give him a bread? If he asks you for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? The Holy Spirit is a good, good gift. God, we long for you. We delight in you. Lord, let our hearts be the hearts of David. shall we not be like a soul that when he was called upon was hiding beyond the baggages but if we will be a David that step out and lead where our hands find to do that we do it God Per fruit per multiplication on the works of our hands oh Holy Spirit work through our lives oh Jesus I know every time I step out, I hear the sweet embrace of the Holy Spirit to say, You are mine, you are mine. You affirm me every time, Jesus. All you're asking me is to take the step. And as I take that step, you embrace me, you embrace me. How sweet is your presence. That it leaves us not
0: unchanged. You change us. Oh, Holy Spirit. (laughs) What a joy. What a joy you are. A Thank you, Lord.